Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into the podcast. This is episode three of Shane of Thrones, where we talk about episode two of season eight of Game of Thrones. My guest today is Michael Obrachta, and it's Obrachta. I just keep saying it weird because my uh, car, when I <laughs> dial Michael in my car, it's Obrachta, not Obrachta, because my car's stupid. You're Matt Purcell in my car, not Purcell. Uh, Matt Purcell is also here because he's my co-host on this show. Thanks for all thanks for all of you who listened before and thanks for all of you who are listening for the first time. Uh if you want to check them out, their past two episodes. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Uh spoiler alert all over this thing. We talk about the last episode, obviously. So have fun. Enjoy. See you in there. Bye. Cell. What do we say to the god of death? Not today. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, I'm here with Matt Purcell and Michael Obrachta. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming, man. Yeah. Um, so we just had a lovely breakfast. Thank you, Kara. Thank you, darling. <laughs> and uh, so I'm going to talk to Michael real quick and kind of... Uh, give you all a little bit about him before we get into the meat of the episode. Uh, Michael, how were you introduced to Game of Thrones? Uh, by you, sir. Oh, um, I forgot about that. <laughs> totally that, forgot I that mean, was me. I didn't get into it right away. It took right. me a long time. A really long time. I was uh, very adamant about, like, I'm going to make it through the books before I start watching the show. Burn. And I made it through the first book. And was super stoked, and I was kept bringing up things, and they're like, "That happens all in the first season, Michael." <laughs> it's like, you know, fine. Made it through halfway through the second one, and then got caught up with school and stuff, and then it took me about another like three and a half years before I finally watched the show. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, who is your favorite character? Uh, Arya Stark or Tyrion Lannister, depending on the season. Okay, why is that? I just love their character arcs. Tyrion just gives no fucks. I mean, he gives a lot of fucks. I mean, like, he will <laughs> just tear people down. He will do whatever it takes f- to be the best that he can be and, like, save the realm. Okay. That's a good answer. Right? <laughs> and uh, then Arya is just, uh, she's just a bad bitch. She'll just go around and do whatever she needs mm, to to survive. Yeah. Okay, and then who's your, what's your favorite major house, and then your favorite minor house? Ooh, favorite major house probably has to be the Starks. Yeah, I mean, it's just <laughs> the one you're. It's, it's the one you're introduced to. Uh, favorite minor house? I don't even know. Probably like the Reeds. All right. Yeah. Matt, yeah, Matt Purcell's a- You know what? I after our first episode and we talked about, you know, mine mine Skirkies and Shane's favorite major and minor house. My major house is always gonna stay the Starks and, and like you, Michael, it's uh because that is the house that we're introduced to and you know the the show has pretty much forced us to be one hundred percent behind the Starks. Yeah. The whole time. Yeah. Um, 
but I was thinking about my minor house and while I still do love the reads and I just love the mystery and mystique that goes along with house read and Greywater watch and all of that. Um, I was thinking about it the other day and the Manderleys of white Harbor are so cool. That's man. A good like one. if you, if you hear the story of the Manderleys and you know, in the show we've gotten, um, we've gotten Lord, Lord Manderley twice now. He was the the big guy oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. with the white beard and the long white hair who uh, was the second to proclaim John John as king of the north. Yeah. Um, and he also got a tongue lashing from Liana Mark or Liana Liana Mormon. Um, she was the one who or he was the one when when she stood up and she made that whole speech that led to everyone drawing swords and calling John King in the North. Um, but Lord Manderley is a badass dude. Like he is so unsuspecting and no one knows that he is like orchestrating this whole, like this whole plan on his own kind of thing. Like he's doing all these things where he's playing at one point in time, he's playing the Boltons off of, you know, another family and he's, telling the Boltons one thing, but doing another thing. The Manderleys will always be 100% loyal to the Starks because the Starks saved their family from extinction. And back in the day, like before uh, the Aegon's conquest and all of that kind of stuff, the Manderleys were actually a southern house, and they uh, had a castle on the banks of the Mandor River, uh, which I believe is the river that comes in through Old Town. Okay. And they had a rivalry with a, with a neighboring house, and the neighboring house ended up marrying a daughter or something like that to um, the Kings of the Reach, like Garth Greenhand and, and all of that. And due to that relationship... The Manderleys then became the odd the odd ones out, right. and the King and the Reach told their the Manderleys' rival house mm-hmm. to basically wipe them out. So they fled the Reach in exile as an entire family, and um, the Starks gave them White Harbor because they knew how to work with uh, sea trade. Gotcha. So the Manderleys are one of the, they are the wealthiest house in the North, and they're on the list of one of the wealthiest houses in Westeros. That makes sense. Yeah. So the problem that we find ourselves in in current time in the story is that um, I think his name is Walder Man. No, it's not Walder. I forget who, what, uh, what Manderley's first name is, Lord Manderley's first name, but he is said to be so fat that he cannot sit a horse. <laughs> so he literally gets gets pulled around the north yeah. on the river that that rolls or that comes through the the white knife which is where mm-hmm. House Manderley's house is. Um he gets pulled up the river on a barge like with his whole like party and everything to go to other places in the in the north and then once they get off the water he gets in like a carriage or something because he's so fat. And his sons were both said to be fat as well. Mm-hmm. And one of his sons in the book got captured at the Red Wedding and was held by um, the phrase because it was a it was a great ransom opportunity. Right. Um, 
and then another one I believe was slain at some point in time. But I just went on a you're, you're ran, a random manderly tear. So <laughs> you're fine. Um, I'll I'll give it back to Michael now. <laughs> well, I guess. Uh, well, that's yeah. I didn't. I've never delved deep at delved that deep into the manderly. So thanks for that, though. I, did, I, delve, <laughs> I need. I, I delve way too deep into so many different <laughs> houses. Um. So. This episode, we started off with, in all honesty... It's Wyman Manderly. Wyman. Wyman Lord Wyman Manderly, that's <laughs> it. Um, when the episode starts off, probably in the best way that it could have, given that we ended the first episode with Jamie, and then obviously we had to start off with Jamie, because Danny just starts off with, when I was a child, my brother used to tell me a story. That's the first line we hear. That's the first. And then when we just see Jamie, I, he doesn't say anything to her. He doesn't, he doesn't talk to her. I mean, he just he sits there and takes it. Yeah, though. he just sits there and takes it. And then once Sansa says something, he starts to respond. I just, I, I, I understand that I'm totally with him staying alive, obviously. But when Danny, Danny's looking at him like he's the, like just the demon spawn. And the only person in the room that actually knows the story of Ares, the true story, is Brianna fucking Tarth. (laughs) (laughs) And thankfully she comes up and saves the day and saves Jamie from his imminent demise. (laughs) That would have happened. Well, you know for a fact Bran would have stood up for him if no one else did. Right. Which he kind of did. I mean, he just he, he, he sat there and said one thing. He said his one line. His one freaking line. That made yeah. <laughs> the things we do for love. Um what uh, The interesting part about the episode is after that little interaction, we get no uh, John is avoiding Danny throughout the whole episode and obviously Whoever has watched the episode knows that we get to the point where we get the showdown between John and Danny. And she, her look and her attitude towards the news is in such disdain and a little anger towards him for believing it, to believing the story. And I'm really, I'm really interested to see what their conversation is going to be like in the next episode because they're basically just there in this battle to watch over the god's eye and watch over Bran and wait for the Night King to show himself so John can kind of you know, be John and jump into the fight. I The problem with that whole scene for me was the fact that you know the exact words that were going to come out of his mouth in the next sentence where I don't want that position like, I don't want it. You can have it. I feel like he would have been going in that direction before the horn sounded. Like, he would have been like, I would let you still be queen. I don't think that's the case anymore. I don't know. I think with how she reacted, he's not that confident in letting her rule. She seemed too angry and disappointed and looked as if, looked at him as if he was becoming an enemy 
rather than staying an ally. Well, I think that her her guard is always going to be up. Right. Especially especially with men, you know, like if she is not very confident in in men's decisions, you know. And and going back to the whole Jamie thing of, you know, her telling the story of Jamie, like that shows that she plays with emotion as well. Whereas John doesn't necessarily, when he's been in the leadership roles, he does not let his emotions dictate his actions. Right. Um, you know, I, I mean, I even think back to like one of the greatest episodes, one of the greatest parts of any episodes, in my opinion, was um, that when John had just recently taken over command of the Night's Watch and mm-hmm. Jano Slint uh, refused his orders of going to um, Seaguard. Oh, yeah. And John didn't do anything. Jeno Slint did everything to himself. Right. John just passed the sentence and swung the sword, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So John doesn't necessarily let his emotions dictate how he's going to handle the situation. He lets the other people dictate. Now, yes, Jamie is... The Kingslayer, Jamie had, you know, had done Danny's family wrong, but they also don't know the story that Brienne knows that Jamie told Brienne and Tyrion. Um, so, in a certain sense, Jamie's story of why he's coming to Winterfell to help fight for the living is the same story that he's been playing his entire life. Right. Even with him doing the dishonorable things. Obviously, banging his sister doesn't play into that equation whatsoever. That's a pleasure move for him. Yeah. But in the sense of the politics and the grand scheme of everything, Jamie has been doing everything in his power to protect the kingdom. And his family. To protect the realm and his family, of course, yes. Right. But, you know, by him murdering the Mad King, that was in order to protect not only his family and his family's troops, but also to protect the people of King's Landing. Well, and his father. Well, yeah. Because he was either but killing... That's what I, that's yeah, what I said yeah, yeah. with his family, you know. Right. Um, but then you have... Jamie has always... Every, by, at every step, Jamie has done these quote-unquote questionable things that have turned out to be pretty noble. You know, yeah. Um, the fact that he, when he was on the road with, with Brienne, he saved her from you know the bear attack and yep. all of that kind of stuff, and then he also got back to King's Landing and did her right by giving her the armor and the and 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 um, Oathkeeper yep. her sword, and he gave and he gave her an opportunity to fulfill her oath of protecting the Stark girls that she gave to Catelyn Stark, even though Catelyn Stark and Jamie Lannister were rivals at that moment in time. Yeah. He gave Brienne the respect of saying, this is your oath. I have to allow you to go and do that. So, right, And he also fulfilled his oath by bringing, trying to bring Catelyn's daughters back home. True, true. And, you know, and, and it's, it's hard because Danny painting Jeremy or painting Jamie in this light that the only thing that he's ever done in his entire life was killed Mad King. 
Right. You know, and she's very bitter and resentful for that. The problem that I have with her bitterness is she never experienced what her father was actually truly like. Right. You know, she hears the bad stories and then she hears the stories that her brother has her brother and supporters have told. And it's like you didn't witness what this reign of terror was. You didn't witness what Jamie witnessed on a daily basis. You didn't go through what, you know, Ned Stark went through with his father and brother being murdered. Um, all of these things. So, you know, I think that Danny, I think that Daenerys's anger with Jamie Lannister is kind of misguided, especially at this moment in time. You know, I, I like that John, you're right, John was staying away from her. It's an awkward situation for him to basically say, you're my queen, and then a few, you know, a few days or weeks later be like, nope, I'm the king now. You know, and I and, and I agree with Michael. I don't think that he necessarily wants that. And I think that, you know, he, he would have maybe tried to come up with a more diplomatic approach had had he been given more time when he broke that news to Danny. Do you think he would have do you think it might get to the point if we survive if they survive this battle, obviously we all know that this is the battle for Winterfell, everybody. We're so pumped. But do you think that I, after- I hope they I hope they just play a, a trick on everybody and they were just like, nope, we're not going to do a battle today. We're going to do that in the next episode. Know, right? <laughs> um, it's not going to happen, but I'm just for do funny. Do you think that the tension will grow so much that Dan, Danny and John will just split the kingdom and John will stay in the north and Danny will go south and they'll just completely agree that they are both equal in power and just leave each other alone and kind of just rule the separate halves of the I don't know Westeros absolute power corrupts absolutely and I don't think that John is the one that we have to worry about um you know being power hungry because I don't think he is but Danny definitely is power hungry right and then so before we move on to this whole is going to basically intertwine with Danny and John the whole time. This whole episode did. Um, John, I was surprised that we didn't get a conversation with Jamie and John. But the last time Jamie and John were together, Jamie kind of put John in his place. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, Jamie was a dick to him. Right. <clears throat> Jamie basically the last interaction that Jamie and John had, Jamie basically said like very sarcastically, you're going to the wall. Like, yeah. I mean, without saying it, he basically said, you're an idiot. Right. You know, um, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know if Jamie and John necessarily need to have any type of interaction. Interaction really. I mean, that's fair. Of course, Jamie and, Tyrion are going to have interactions because that's who they are. Yeah. And Jamie and Brienne are going to have interactions because of their past relationship. But Jamie is, uh, Jamie's alone on an island by himself in Winterfell. The people of Winterfell don't want him there. No one else knows who he is. Right. He's a rich boy with a golden hand. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's what people know of him. And right. Essentially, he's, like he said to Brienne, he's not the fighter that he used to be. I mean, I could right. see Jamie 
I could see Jamie going down. Maybe not in this episode. Maybe not, you know, anytime soon. But he's not a good fighter anymore. No, he's not. He's and I kind of feel like Braun of the Blackwater is going to find himself up in Winterfell. And, like, like I think Braun's going to appear in the shit, like, in the middle of the shit. Yeah, he might be pulling up on it. Right. <laughs> like, he rolls up into a fucking firefight, and he's like, uh... What do I got to? What am I going to do now? Because Bronze all about self preservation, right? And if he rolls up and a fucking fight with the dead is already happening, right? He's got to preserve him, him he's his life. Turn, yeah, he's got to turn around and wait. He's got to fight. He's yeah. got to fight because otherwise he's going to die, right? And that's not that's not the Bronze that we all know and love. So I could see Bronze and Jamie fighting together. Yeah, because Braun always has this tendency of protecting Jamie. Right, Braun's always there to to save, save Jamie's ass. Yeah, and Tyrion's ass. <laughs> Every time, man. Every, Every time. time. My favorite moment in the in the Great Hall was when Grey Worm walks to Jamie with his sword and just shoves it in his chest. He's like, "I'm watching." It's like I got my eye on you, homie. Um, Michael. Yes. Do you? We're all right. Give me one person who you think might, unfortunately, walk with the dead. Uh, it's I gotta go with Theon, man. Okay, I, Theon. Yeah, Theon's Theon's fair, just because they just seem to have been shadowed, like foreshadowing. Yeah, foreshadowing it's a, the whole time so far, right? Because he uh, Yara sends him back to Winterfell after he's like. Oh, God. You're my queen. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And she's just like, all right, go go to your basically your real family and go help them out. And I teared up like a little girl when the when Sansa and Theon embraced each other, just because they were put through the same torture by the same person, the same evil man <laughs> that we all hated. Surprisingly enough. That was a reunion that got me the way that I wanted to be, that I wanted to get. Yeah. When John and Arya, I remember last time. Uh, yeah. I said you like, weren't that happy about it. Just you know, it just fell flat, a little flat for me. <laughs> like I understand that it was the right reunion for them, yeah. but maybe it was because the fact that it wasn't a surprise. Mm-hmm. You know, like when when Sansa showed up at the wall after John was recovering from being stabbed. Um, John had no idea that Sansa was going to be there. Right. And Sansa, honestly, didn't even know if John was still alive. Right. You know, I mean, he could just assume that that's probably the safest place she could go. Well, um, when Theon parted ways with her, he said, head for the wall. You know, when, when Theon got, was re, oh no, Theon didn't get retaken. He left and he went to, uh, oh no, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was before (laughs) when, when Theon and, Sansa escaped Winterfell under Ramsay's. Yeah, that intense yeah, music. That intense music <laughs> that you talked about. When they when they were on the run, um, and they were hiding in that like fallen tree. Yeah. And the Bolton men were were closing in. Yeah. Theon turned to her and he said, "Get to win, uh, get to Castle Black, John's Lord Commander." Yep. And that's all she knew. Get yeah. to Castle Black. John could have been dead for all she knows. Right, she could have right, showed right. up at Castle Black and John was gone. Um, so that to me was like this huge, and of course it was the first reunion, so it was even more heightened kind of thing, but it was such a huge emotional 
grip for me. Yeah. That when Sansa and Bran reunited, it wasn't as much, but it was still there. Yeah, that's because Bran's the only one. Bran is went through what Bran went through, and everybody thought that he was... He was gone. I mean, gone. most people thought that Bran, was, that Bran and Rickon were dead when Theon took Winterfell, right. because Theon supposedly burned them, them alive. Yeah. alive. So and The only person who knew were the, uh, Theon's men and Theon, that that wasn't actually the Stark boys. Right. Right. Oh, yeah, and Maester Lewin. But you know, <clears throat> he, he, he had... Yeah. Poor Mr. Lewin. <laughs> yeah. That poor guy. That poor guy. He was a good he was a good man. I liked he, him. Yeah. Um, no, but then, you know, we got the the we got news of Arya and Bran's return to Winterfell when John was on Dragonstone. So like mm-hmm. right there, John's like, holy shit. You know, that's that's the time where you know, if if John were a real person and if I were John in that moment, yeah, that was the time that was the surprise. That was the Oh my God, they're safe. They're home. You know, like all of that. So then, when you see them in person, it's like, yeah, you get that intense, yeah. you know, um, feeling. Mm-hmm. But for me, coming off the screen, I was just kind of like, well, John knew that Bran was there. Yep. So he embraces him, you know, yada yada, mm-hmm. and then finds out that Bran's fucking weird, um, <laughs> right? <laughs> But then you know, then you have the the interaction with John and Arya um, in the Godswood, and it just—I don't know—it just wasn't what I wanted it to be. You right. know, I had built it up in my head to be this, you know, very like passionate, and I don't mean that in like a romantic kind of way. I mean it is like passion for one another, for family, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, I expected it to be that kind of thing, but then in the next episode, the unsuspecting reunion of Sansa and Tyrion, or I'm sorry, of Sansa and Theon, that gave me the feels, man. Like I was oh. like, oh my god, like yeah, because he comes in and he kneels to Danny, mm-hmm. and Danny has no idea that yeah, Danny doesn't necessarily know of the their relationship, relationship yeah. that Theon and, and, and Sansa had. Theon bows to Danny or kneels to Danny, and then he gets up, and then she's like, "Where's your sister?" Yada yada. She's he's like, "Oh, she's you know went back to Pike to take it back for your name." Yada yada. And then she's like, "Why are you here?" And he just when he looks at Sansa, she I in this is why their attention to detail is so good. Danny's face is just like, "Oh, they know each other." Oh shit, I'm losing. I have another person in my ranks that is connected to the Starks more than they're connected to me. Well, and I think that Danny, I think that there's, you know, obviously we have a power struggle between Danny and Sansa, <laughs> which is which is great. Their but, you chat know, was the best. Their their chat was great, and one of the things that I loved that Sansa said, and this is like Sansa being smart, the badass bitch that she now is, which I never thought I would say that because I never liked the Sansa character. No, but. She has grown into being such a, a basically just ass kicker, mm-hmm. diplomatically and politically. Oh yeah, um, through schemes and plots and all of that kind of stuff that she's learned in you know from various people throughout her the course of her her travels. Probably the top contenders of the whole game. It's, well, itself. of course, of course. But one of the thing the thing that I loved the most about the talk that they had was when um, when Sansa said, you know, like. 
we took back Winterfell. We, as the North, proclaimed that we would never bow or bend the knee again. What about the North? <laughs> and what about yeah, it? what about the North? That's what she said. That's what she I'm said multiple a, times. I'm honestly on her side. Mm-hmm. What about the North? I think I think that it, what you were saying earlier about John. Be, about there being two kings or you know two royal families essentially there yeah. would be the king in the north and then there would be the queen of the south the south basically but it could be john and danny if all goes well this is on all goes well kind of situation if all goes well we could have danny and john both Combining and getting over there, Danny getting over her ego because John doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> Danny getting over her ego and accepting that her and John are going to rule the Seven Kingdoms together, and leave Winterfell to Sansa, and then Arya and Gendry go to the Stormlands and rule there together. <laughs> yeah, which would be, be dope. That would be. I mean. I feel like that would be the most ideal situation. Um, another good situation would be that they leave John the King in the North. Lady is the, or I'm sorry, Sansa is the Lady of Winterfell. Um, you know, Winterfell will pass down through Sansa's line, so it will stay in the in the Stark family, and then the the King in the North might be in Winterfell, but, you know, it's... I don't know. I, I think that would be really cool if, like, the king in the north was, like, a separate entity. You know, maybe they built a new castle or maybe he took over the last hearth or something like that, you know. But on the other hand, it's like, well, John is Stark, you know. I mean, he's a Stark Targaryen. So yeah. he, could, he could continue the line through himself and just stay at Winterfell. Um, I don't know, and then and then Danny would be you know the queen in the Red Keep, you know down south and and all of that. I like the idea of Gendry and Arya joining houses, and it's funny too because I saw something on the inner on the internet the other a couple of days ago that said, you know the the they were calling it a prophecy. It really wasn't a prophecy. It was just something that Robert said. But in the crypts of Winterfell, when Robert talked about, um, you know, joining their houses. I have a son, you have a daughter. Right. And it's like, okay, well, that's still true. Just a different son and a different daughter. Well, and Joffrey wasn't his son. Well, that's true, too. Right. Right. So, I don't know. I mean, I think that it would be cool, but that is all things that's not it's not right now's problem, man. Right now's problem is the army of the dead. Well, right, and that's why John's so, you know, that's why John's so fuck everything else. But he he knew he had to tell Danny the information before right. the battle. He's like, I got to tell you this, yeah, but we got to go deal with the issue right now. But you need to know just in case I die. Right. <laughs> you need. He wants. He wants her to know the truth because he loves her. And he. Well, he wants her to know the truth because he is he is the truth guy. You right. Know? I mean that that is John Snow. That was Eddard Stark. They're the they are the truth people. So right. no matter how hard the truth may be, yeah, they still need to tell the truth because of who they are from a moral sta- standpoint. Right. Back to uh, I guess moving on to the Arya and Gendry situation. 
I I was a big fan of the setting when we go into the forge, and the music in the background just makes everything so much more tense and dark and just gritty. And then she just walks in. She's like, "You have my weapon yet? What's the deal here?" And he's like, "I'm I'm kind of busy." And she's like, "No, you're you're not busy. You're, you're gonna do this." And when she She's like, tell me, like, you you can do better than their, you know, it's horrible. Like, give me something more. And he's like, they're just death. He's so scared. But on the outside, you know, he's trying to be tough because she's a lady. And <laughs> when, she, when he's like, they're like death. And she gives her whole s- speech and throws her knives. I was, I was like, that's a weird flex, bro. <laughs> I just love the... Weird flex, bro. <laughs> I just love the guy in the background right behind the board when the first one hits and he just looks over his shoulder like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> it keeps happening. Well, we got a c- confirmation on uh, Arya's weapon, too. It's a homage to her stick that she had while she was with the faceless men. Which was exciting. I was like, oh, she's going to be a super badass now. Got it. <laughs> she's going to use the tip as just the killing machine. I mean, essentially, it's a spear. Right. You know, yeah. I mean, they made, they made thousands and thousands right. of spears for the Unsullied. And, you know, I yeah. mean, I, I think Arya's spear, I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure it's dual-sided. Like, both it could, sides it could are be. dragon glass. It could be. Um it also looked, and I, it might have just been the drawing of like drawing it in pieces, just to show like how it would how it would right. all go together. But you know, like we were talking about last week when we were predicting what it could have been, we were saying you know it could be some kind of it could have some kind of projectile mm-hmm. right yeah. uh, attribute to it. And I was thinking about that over the the week, and I was like, well, maybe she's just gonna have like a satch a satchel of dragon glass like knives and those right. they like stick into the end of the spear and then that way she can you know use it as like a bow like a like she was when she was All practicing right. with the with the faceless men to you know to to block and and all of that kind of stuff but mm-hmm. then she could also use it as a spear right. for for stabbing or she can use it as like a almost like a bow and arrow where she like throws the the arrowhead or the spearhead from the top, yeah, and and can kind of take White Walkers out that way. Uh-huh. You know, I I kind of look at it like that. If it's a projectile, like that's a lot of dragon glass to be just <laughs> wasting. To, right. You know? Well, and she's so she's so tiny that don't get me wrong, she could probably carry some dragon glass, but she can't carry like a whole sack and move that the way she does. No, 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 for sure. She and fights. and she and she may just be banking on the fact that she's. You know, quicker and more agile with that Bravosi training right. than everyone else. The water dance. <laughs> All right. But we did get a nice... Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to say it plain and simple. She was very sultry in that scene. It's very sexy and very seductive. That poor guy. Oh, God. She's not the, she's not the wet red woman. He can take nope. his own bloody pants off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm happy that that happened. I'm happy that we predicted that. It was super exciting. I was like, yes, we predicted something. Uh, <laughs> we got something right. Did anyone see any of the re- any of the reports that came out like throughout the week where I saw on like Monday or Tuesday I saw something 
where they were where people were up in arms like in real life people were up in arms because they they thought that you know it was distasteful for Arya to oh because we've <coughs> known her since she was so young to like to get naked um, I disagree you know but the the thing I disagree too because is this does anyone else hear the maybe it's my head it might be your headphones it's my headphones Man, I thought we were going to get through an episode with... Uh, we don't have technical difficulties. Tec- we're just hitting wires. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, okay, so sorry. So getting back to that. Leave this up here. Yeah. Can we just leave this up here so you guys don't... There we go. All, all right, right. All right. <laughs> so getting getting back to what I saw, they the people were up in arms because they believed that Arya... Or Maisie Williams was it was dista- distasteful because we've we've been following Maisie Williams from such a young age for her to get naked on screen. Um, on the other hand, I'm like she didn't get naked on screen. You saw the side of her butt and the side of her breast. Yeah, we just got a little side. Tip. Yeah, it wasn't anything like there was nothing super gratuitous yeah, about it. It was right. just you got a little cheek. But then they and were it was super quick. But then once that one, once that like fake outrage was was put down. Then someone else came back and was like, you know, in the book, she's only supposed to be like 13, 14 years old at this point in time. Different ages, though. Right. And I'm like different times, like in medieval in the medieval times. Yeah. Like kings were marrying women that Walter Walter Frey was marrying 10 year old girls. Hadn't even like gone through puberty yet kind of thing. So I was like, yeah. It's funny. I, I I listened to a comedian named Chad Daniels, and he has a bit where he goes, "You know, I'm so sick of all this fake outrage and blah blah blah." And he goes, "I'm surprised we haven't changed." He goes, "I'm surprised the U.S. hasn't changed the national anthem to." <gasps> um, but yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I thought you know it was apropos to have. Um, have Gendry and Arya hook up, you know, was it 100% necessary? No. Was it something that we all wanted to see? Absolutely. Was it uh, something that gives us hope for a good outcome for the living in this story? You know, it, I mean, it, it's obviously gotten us, you know, the three of us sitting yeah. here, and also we've talked about it with Skirky as well. Um, it's gotten us talking about, you know, joining the two houses, the Stark and the Baratheon house, right. you know? So there is something, obviously, none of these things that we've that we've been talking about today are ever going to come true unless they defeat the Night King. So, right. you know, it could all just be spinning wheels kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you I know? Mean, to, be, to be completely honest, I mean, don't get me wrong. If it ends with the Night King killing everybody... It was meant to happen, and I'm not going to be super upset about it, but we got to keep the hope up, just like everybody in the freaking episode. Sam, when he talks yeah. to uh, Jorah, he's like, I hope we live. Yeah. And then Tyrion in the room, when yeah. he's like, I think we're going to win. Yeah. <laughs> he's like so drunk. He's like, I think we're going to win this. Yeah, and the funniest part about it, too, is like, I loved that interaction. There were two interactions that I really, really liked, and both of them included Jorah Mormont in last week's episode. Yeah. I the, loved Liana and Jorah. Yeah. That was amazing because Liana just, like I said, like I up. said on the first episode of Shane of Thrones, I said, if we see an interaction between 
between uh, Jorah and Liana Mormont, I believe that Liana's going to treat Jorah like a bitch. Oh, yeah. And she basically did. She basically was like, I don't care what you say, cousin. I've I've pledged to fight for the North, and I'm going to fight for the motherfucking North. Well, yeah, we gotta see and it. she wishes him well. Right, right. Yeah, yeah she wishes him well. We just got to see the children fight. Like that's that's I guarantee we're gonna see children fight. If they <laughs> don't, they film this in 55 nights. You if they want leave a, the children to fight so badly? Absolutely. <laughs> we got to show how gritty it is. We yeah. got to show the actual imminent doom. Now, most of the children, yes, they're in the crypts. We get it. I think like ten older need to be out on the Yeah, yeah I think they're gonna be I think there are going to be some badasses. Because if Liana's step out. Liana's fighting and she said she's gonna train every right. man, boy, girl, woman on Bear Island. So we know that there's going to be some children fighting because if she's doing it, everybody else has to follow suit. You mean to tell me I need to put a sword in my granddaughter's hand? <laughs> I'm not planning on sitting in the crypts while everybody's fucking off up there. I'm. I want to see how she fights. I think I think she's just gonna be a badass, badass little Viking type warrior. Yeah, she's just, gonna have two. She's, she's just, gonna have like two daggers, and she's gonna she's just like, gonna come out and she's gonna be like wearing a bear pelt kind right. of thing, like with the with the face of the bear on her head. Oh, that would be amazing. I want to I want to design all of their clothing for these battles. You know, like. Um, no, but then the the interaction between Sam and and Jorah, where Sam gave him Heartsbane, like that's a huge fucking deal, dude. That is so huge. Out of the amount of Valerian steel swords in Westeros, Jorah Mormont was gifted one of the most iconic Valerian steel swords in the entire story. Yeah. Like yeah. Heartsbane. Of of House Tarly, is huge. That's a badass sword. It was very sexy in the show. They did a good job yeah. of designing it and actually crafting it. Yeah. Like oh yeah. The hilt is so much detail, and I was yeah. like, "Yes, this yeah. sword's a badass." Well, and, but you have to also remember that that House Tarly of Hornhill, yeah, was. Is a house. I mean, the house is still there. I would assume that the house is being looked uh, looked after by Sam's mother and sister. Probably. You know, because, I mean, yeah, the brother and father are gone, and Sam's up in the north, but the sister and mother were still there. I don't think Sam gets it, dude. He's still part of the Night's Watch. He took an oath. Yeah. Sam, Sam doesn't get his house anymore. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, well... I mean, I guess the key... We have, we have to remember, too, that all the rules are changing. All the right. traditions it's just dead, as, as, dead or as alive Tor- now. As Torment Giants Bane said, "Fuck tradition." <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna save that whole th- him. Well, oh, we're dude. saving him for last because that was hands down yeah. the best. It part was of beautiful. That it was beautiful. <laughs> but uh, but anyways, I mean, you yeah. know, essentially, Sam has already asked Daenerys for a pardon. For stealing, for stealing cons- books from, I've the- stole a considerable amount of books from the Citadel. Yes, and my father's sword, and, and my father's, father's sword. sword. Um, so that being said, it's like depending on what happens after the fact. You know, I mean, if it's John, I would suspect that John, if John takes takes over the role of king, I would expect John to pardon Sam. 
and relieve him of his duty at the at the wall. Yep. So that Sam would then be his hand of the king. Yes. Absolutely. It, it just, Absolutely. Unless unless John were to say, I want Tyrion to be my hand of the king, and I want Sam to be on my small council and one of one of my close advisors. Right. You know. Or does he want Sam to be his grand maester? Ooh. Yeah, but Sam doesn't. Sam maester. doesn't have the 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 training to be a maester yeah, at this point have in the time. Chains. You know, he could he could go back to the Citadel, but it's going to take twenty to forty years for him to get his chain. Yeah, you know, and then John wouldn't get to see his best friend. Right, he'd probably make him the hand. That yeah. would probably be the deal. Yeah, but the only reason I say Tyrion is the hand is because Tyrion and John have that huge respect for one another. Right, and Tyrion. Has done the job very well. Very well in two different for two different you know for a different king and a different and a and a queen, um, but Tyrion also has the strategic mind for military. Yes, you know where Sam doesn't really interact very well with the hey. military. He's the first man to kill a White Walker. He was, sir. and and, and, and you know what? Then. And he and he was absolutely <laughs> right. <laughs> one then. Yeah, one then. Uh, John put a hammer through a Fen's head. So oh, dude. That was awesome. That was the best. But anyways, John or Sam was right to to get all pissy with everybody. With you Ed. Know? Yeah, he's like, uh if you guys don't remember, I'm the first one to kill a motherfucking white, so what the fuck? Samuel Tolly, killer of White Walkers, lover, lover of ladies. ladies. Yeah. If there's no other sign that the world is ending. <laughs> John, just throwing him shade. Ed. Don't you want to be in the crypts? You know, to practice Sam, little Sam and Gilly? Yeah. It's like, fuck you, man. I'm fighting this. <laughs> hey, man. Sam has come a long way. Dude, he's come a, a long, long way. way. He used to be way. a child, and now he's a man. Um, I. So, if, if none of us noticed, Hannah Mur- Murphy, uh, who. Right? Hannah Murphy, who yes. plays Gilly? Yeah. Hannah Murphy is pregnant as shit. Yeah. During the filming of this, I don't know if you noticed, she's bearing child. She's Eliza pointed it out to me. She's I, like, she's pregnant. I knew she. I knew she had. She had gained some weight. Yeah. But, I mean, I mean, I would assume that it was a pregnancy, but yeah. Um, you think that they're gonna call that they're gonna that they're gonna call that out as Sam having a child with her? Maybe. Um, but he'll de- he'll definitely need a pardon. Then. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah his because his head will his be head gone. Will be gone. <laughs> yeah. I and, and Ed'll have to do it, and I don't know if Ed can do that. No, he, Ned, Ed, Ed can't do that. Uh, well, he's in the north. Ed, Ed, Ed couldn't do it, but he's in the north, so John would have to be the one who swings the sword because he's in the north, like Ned did in the first episode ever. Yeah, but that was because that guy was a deserter, and Ned's forces found him. Oh, right, right, right. So, like, I don't know if it would be one of those things where John would have to do it. Right. Um, because they're at Winterfell, or if because Ed's there, if right. you know it's a it's strictly a Night's Watch thing, so we'll see. Right. Um, I don't think that they're even going to go that route. I don't think the Night's Watch matters anymore. To yeah, be com- no. without a wall, yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess, I guess Ed's still on it because he's the Lord Commander, but he. <laughs> When they're on top of the wall and he just enters the scene, he's like, and now our watch begins. I was like, yes. That was great. That was a good one. Um, and poor ghost sitting in the corner doing absolutely Right, we nothing. got a ghost sighting. <laughs> Although, it all it lets us know 
that Ghost is still around. Hell yeah. That's the only reason it was put there because so many people were like, we haven't seen Ghost in a season and a half and right. what the fuck, blah, blah, blah. Where is he? Where is he? He better not be dead and just no one's talking about it. And it's like, no, motherfuckers, he's not dead, but he's a goddamn dire wolf. He can do whatever he wants like yeah, a dragon. He's, he's not that important. What does a, a dire wolf eat? Whatever it wants. Uh, right, what exactly. I, I mean, I still think we need to see a scene where Ghost and Danny are together and to make sure like... When Rayon was with John, like Rayon's cool with John, like Ghost needs to be cool with Danny. True. I, I, we might get that. I am laying down the prediction that Nymeria and her pack of wolves is coming for the battle. Oh, yeah. Cause as they said in the, when they put it in, they're like, we don't just like do that for no reason. Right. Like, yeah, that's a lot no of re- money for yeah. that just to be there for one scene. Right. Although they did the whole Nymeria thing. Last season with um, with Arya because that was a callback to the season first, one. Yeah, yeah. When that's not me. When, yeah, exactly. When when Ned was telling her that she would be a lady of of some lord's house and all of that, and she's like, "That's not me." Yeah. And she, and you know, and they did the same thing with Nymeria, where she was like, "Come with me, Nymeria. I'm going home." And then Nymeria was like, you know, kind of turned away, and she was like, "But that's not you." Right. You know, so I could see them just doing that because essentially Nymeria and her pack of wolves are in the Riverlands. So they're not even, I mean, they could probably get to the north pretty quickly. Right. And, you know, dogs and animals like that are supposed to have that like sixth sixth sense um, of knowing like when danger is going to happen or something Mm. like that. So, you know, there could be a... There could be something to said for Nymeria coming north, and well, yeah. you know, with with the wogging and all of that kind of stuff, there could be uh, there could be something to say for like Bran warging into Ghost and going to find Nymeria, yeah, and like you know, then being able to bring her right. back. I don't know. I don't know if they're going to go that deep. You know, I right. honestly believe it could just be cool. It would just it be could cool. just it could be cool. It could also be one of those things where like. So many people had so much shit to say about Ghost not being in the equation for quite a while. Right. That they just threw him in there because... We needed to know that he was alive. Yeah. And he might come and save John at some point. Right. One of those like right. split seconds like, oh, John's screwed. Oh, wait, no, here comes Ghost. Yeah, exactly. Like, situation. I, w- I wonder if, uh, if Bran is going to warg into any animals... And assist in the fight. He's sitting in the god's eye. He's not. I mean, he's gonna be. He's gonna be with ravens. Probably he's gonna have ravens. He could. I mean, he's gonna be in the spot where he's most powerful to be doing said things. Right. But he also can't do anything to save him to save anybody sitting in a chair and touching a tree. Right. You know. I mean, he could. He could be sitting in the chair, touching the tree, and warging into ghost or you know an animal or something like that One of the i wonder yeah i don't know if he could do that though That's, they're too smart they're super smart yeah um it's not a hodor yeah rip. it's not a hodor rip rip poor hodor dude dude i i was looking on my bookie i'm not affiliated with my bookie i just went and googled if there are vegas odds on game of thrones oh one there of, are one of the odds is if we're going to see a dead hodor no fucking joke. People are betting on that. And I'm like, yeah, we are. I guarantee it. Oh, my God. If it doesn't happen, I was wrong and I have shame. But if I'm right, 
You heard it. Um, my favorite scene out of this whole episode that happened, and this is a very minor scene, but it's a good one, is when Davos is giving out soup. Oh, the little girl. The little girl comes up with the scar on her face, and they're playing Shireen's theme in yep. the background. I'm like, oh, God, cut me deep. And, then, of course, they had to put Gilly in the scene because she also shared a tighter connection with Shireen. Yeah. And yep. they both get to share that little moment of, like, that little girl's gone because of all this shit that's been going on. That was my. That was definitely my favorite scene. Did, any, did anyone see uh, the actress at, who played Shireen at the like pictures of her from the premiere? No, she's a babe, <laughs> total babe. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, Google it and show I, me. You're the master what, at the fast googling. Uh, I suck at googling. But yeah, um, <laughs> Podrick's a badass now. Yeah, dude. Podrick's, he, I mean, he's still got a lot to learn. Yeah, <laughs> of course, of course. But Podrick is, uh, he's, he's, he's definitely gained a lot more confidence yeah. because of Brienne, which right. is always fun to see an evolution of a side character that all we know is that he's got a magic cock. But <laughs> other than that. <laughs> yeah, he, he's, he's definitely in that. <laughs> In that boat, <laughs> um, magic dongs. Yeah, he uh, uh, he. And then, how about Jorah before uh, Jorah defending Tyrion? Oh wow, she okay, all right. Yep, she's <laughs> she's a cutie. I don't know how to feel about that. She's probably like seventeen or something. Yeah, right. <laughs> anyway, uh, Jorah was defending Tyrion. When he went and talked to Daenerys before we got the scene with Danny and Sansa. Oh, she's nineteen. All right, I don't feel as creepy now. <laughs> <laughs> Dirty men, filthy, stupid, fat hobbits. Oh, Jesus, <laughs> it ruins it. That's uh, a that's a pretty good uh, impersonation, but it's the wrong series. Yeah, I know. I'm just being <laughs> a jerk. So, what do we think about Jorah defending Tyrion? Anything thoughts about that? Or are we just gonna ignore that and keep looking at our phones? <laughs> um, Michael, anything? Was I'm, it just nice to see? Yeah, cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, we were doing we were doing some research, you were, so you, were. Um, you told me to Google. Yeah, he, I did, he did. He did, I did you tell did you to do Google. That. That's my fault. That's my fault. I'll shut up. Um, <laughs> sorry. Say that again. Jorah defending Tyrion and getting Danny to realize that Tyrion is her best choice as the hand. Well, because I mean, Jorah having that having the relationship that Jorah has with Tyrion is a unique one. All of these like secondary relationships are so unique in the sense that like, you know, Brienne is vouching for Jamie. Jamie. And then you have Jorah, you know, championing Tyrion to, to Danny and saying like, he is the only option for you. Like Jorah may have a good military mind and he may, be able to keep Danny's wild impulsions um, or impul- How do you say? impulses. Impulses, that's right. Um, 
he may be able to keep her her impulses in check to a certain point, but he doesn't have the knowledge that Tyrion he's has. He's not a reader. Right. He's he's a he's a fighter. He's a war guy. He's right. always been a warrior and he will always be a warrior. And I feel like that is a perfect place for Jorah to be is to be her advisor, of course, yeah. but to also be a, you know, a, a bodyguard, like a secret service, you know? Yeah. I mean, she has the leader of her army, which is Grey Worm, and, and that's her army. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She has her advisor in Masande, but Masande isn't a fighter. Yeah. You know, and then she has Tyrion, who is her hand, her number one advisor, and he due to his physical limitations, cannot fight either. Right. So she needs someone in her inner circle that can be the muscle. Right. And Jorah is that guy. And to have Jorah be the muscle, the hand, the, you know, all of these yeah. things, it's like, it's too much. And Tyrion's a better fit for it anyways. Yeah. You know, like, and that is, that is perfect for kind of like society and, and, just everybody in this day and age, it's like, know your role, know what you're good at and what you're not good at. Because when you start taking on too many things, everything slips. Yeah. You know? So I, I appreciate it after the meeting of like, you had Alice Karstark, you had Leanna Mormont, you had all of our, you know, leaders of all the houses and stuff like that in the meeting talking about how they're going to prepare for the battle. And then after Tyrion looks at Bran, he's just like, you have an interesting story. Yeah. <laughs> and then I just, I appreciate Tyrion's thirst for knowledge. Yeah. I mean, he's a, he's, he's like, a curious gotta, guy. Yeah. He's got to sit down with Bran. He's be like, tell me your story. Right. What the hell's a three eyed Raven? Mm-hmm. I have no idea. We got white walkers and, and you're you. I can well, talk and, to you. Yeah. And Tyrion knows that, you know, He's been wrong about these supernatural things that he thought were just fables and fairy tales and mm-hmm. whatnot, you know. And what better way to learn than by someone who is seemingly the expert, who spent all this time with mystic, with mystique and and you know magic and all of these things and knows how to tap into this information, right? Um, you know. So for Tyrion, it's like. He he wants to know that because now his back's against the wall. Yeah, he's made some some poor decisions. Mm-hmm. He's made some you know some some tough calls. Right, uh, and 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 he's not on he's not in Danny's good graces at the moment. So he needs to really focus on what is going to be happening, mm-hmm. and what better way to focus than to basically learn information. I mean, there's a reason why armies gather intel on the opposition, and that's essentially what Tyrion is doing in the only way that he sees he can get this intel other than experiencing it. (laughs) You know, I mean, what better way to fight an enemy than with information that the enemy might not know that you know, Right. you know? So... If only we were stuck in a castle in the middle of winter yeah. with nowhere to go. Right. <laughs> um, then we get to 
There's just all the little interactions. Not like the big interactions. I was a big fan of all the little interactions more than I was the big interactions. Like when Arya comes on the wall. And the hound's just chilling there. And <laughs> Bear comes back. Bear comes back and he's like, if you start another fucking sermon, the Lord of Light is going to wonder why he brought you back 19 times to just watch you fly over a wall. <laughs> God. And then Arya does her, oh, I'm not spending the night with you miserable old shits. I gotta go get some Gendry. <laughs> gotta go get some action. Yeah, just gotta go get some tail. <laughs> Uh, okay, Purcell. Who do you think's gonna die? One person. Oh man, it's so hard. I mean, gotta have one. I I have like four. Ooh, but I don't want any of them to go. No one wants anybody I know, I know, to I know. go. Um, I I kind of feel like they're gonna rip our hearts out as as fast as possible. And someone big is going to go down. I feel like someone... Yeah. I, I I personally feel like Grey Worm might hit the dust. Yeah. But I mean, he's that, been that dodging w- death that forever. That one wouldn't really... I don't know. I like the Grey Worm character, but I'm not like, oh, he's so great. I want him around forever. I'm like, eh, whatever. He's just a soldier. I think soldier. it's just due to the conversation that yeah. you just had with Masande that sure. I'm referring why it would kind of have such a little bit more of an impact. Yeah. Because they brought back that whole racism thing yeah, yeah, again. Yeah. And he's like, hey, do you want to grow old in this place? And yeah. 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 Um, but I, I like that. I like that they did have that, um, that exchange because, you know, as much as, I'm not so into all the love stories. I do like the fact that they have them there because it right. shows a real side of, of people, yeah. you know, and like those two being, you know, darker in skin and all of that kind of stuff. It's like they are there for a single purpose. And, and once they're able to go, they're going to go. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like, you know, it's the, um, it's kind of what like everyone in a relationship goes through. Like, should we just say fuck it and 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 leave and and start a new life somewhere different? You know, like right. anytime that anyone's in love with someone, mm-hmm. they have these like f- these fuck the world, let's go and it, you and I can just do our own right. thing kind of mentality, <laughs> um, which is which is cool. But on the other hand, it's like if they get out of this, are they going to be able to easily leave? leave? You know, because then starts a whole new chapter right, every- where Danny will need Masande and Danny will also need well, Mas- Grey Worm. Masande said it uh, to John and Davos in the last season. She's right. like, if I wanted to go, she would give me a ship. And I don't think it would be that easy, though. Not I don't. For, I don't think that Danny. Right. I don't think that Danny would force her. Obviously, because no. she is the breaker of chains. And she all would of just that. try to convince her. But yeah, she would be very sad, and she would try and convince her, and she would try and keep. You know, she would. She would hold on as much as she possibly could yeah. to both of them. You know, it's like if they both leave at the same time, that's crushing for Danny. You know, so I think that Danny Those will. Those are two people that she can trust the most. Yeah. Those but are her most loyal to, people. To get back to your question, um, I kind of feel like like Theon's a pretty good bet to lose first. 
Yeah. On the other hand, I could see it being like Brienne or that's, Podrick. That's my number two is Brienne. Yeah, like yeah. Bri- Brienne or Podrick. I, I could even see it being Jamie doing something quite heroic. I see Beric dying. Mm. Yeah, but, you know, Beric, to me, could also play a very big role in the end In game? the whole, like... The end part of it. Yeah, in the, in the whole... With the whole, like, Lord of Light, yeah. Azor High, all of that kind of stuff, you know? Like, right. the... Um, the sword lightbringer that Azor High in the prophecy in uh-huh. the in the history wields is yeah. a flaming sword. Right, he's the only one with a flaming sword. Right, and and I don't I don't I mean I don't think that Beric Dondarrion's rocking a you know the I don't think he I don't think he's been rocking lightbringer for the past five seasons and and no one knows about it. Well, because the last time he fought with the hound, the hound chopped his flaming sword in half. Like he he. he well, yeah, that was that was through. the that was way back in like season three or whatever right. when the hound when the hound killed him, um, and then the red priest brought him back to life or uh-huh. Thoros Amur brought him back to life, but um, <coughs> rip, yeah, <laughs> but. He just got bit by a damn bat. Yeah, dude. That was so <laughs> That weird. was gnarly. And awesome. <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, do I think that that Beric Dondarrion is Azora High? No, I don't. No. Do I think that he plays an integral role of some type of He's got character it. that has some type of connection to Azora High? There's a good possibility for that, you know. He would have died last season if he didn't have an important role to play. Right. Like right. The reason why Thoros of Mir dies is so we can so so Barrick's situation is much more dire than it has been Very over true. the years. Very true. Because he's come and back to life with sixteen with times. Thoros being gone and Barrick being the only one here, it's like Barrick Dondarrion was never supposed to be this big of a of a role in anything like do you remember where Barrick was how Barrick was introduced yep. yeah ned sent him out to go kill the mountain the mountain right and then he because the mountain the mountain was uh terrorizing the riverlands and he was like uh, killing villages and raping and stealing and all of this kind of stuff and ned at the same time that catlin had captured Tyrion, and was holding Tyrion responsible for Bran's, uh, for for the murder plot on Bran. Um, Ned had named Gregor Clegane, the Mountain, an enemy of the realm, and sent word for Tywin Lannister to come and answer for his bannerman. And when Tywin showed up, or uh, I'm sorry, when Tywin didn't show up. Ned sent Beric Dondarrion to the Riverlands to put an end to Gregor Clegane's mayhem. So from there, he then became friends with Thoros and and a leader or a follower of the Lord of Light, all of that kind of stuff. So, um, right. So who knows, man? I mean, (laughs) anything could happen now. Uh, but yeah, I think I think I think Theon's probably a, a pretty good call. He's, he's, yeah, it's a high percentage of him hitting the dust, which it would be kind of fitting to be completely honest. Um, 
We got Sir Brienne of Tarth, Michael. Sir Brienne of Tarth. <laughs> that was an emotional scene. Because if Tormund was a king, he would knight her ten times over. Oh, God, dude. He was... We'll wait for Matt to get back, because obviously, if whoever has been sticking with us, uh, Tormund is one of Matt's favorite characters. I think Tormund is most people's favorite character. He's my favorite character so far this season. Uh, he has done nothing but crack ch- jokes and make every scene better. He's a champ. He's... Uh, they call you King Killer. <laughs> They call me giant man. It's so stupid. Um, yeah, Sir Brianna Tart. That was a magical moment that we had. How did you feel about that? I enjoyed it immensely, but it was also a, a sad moment in my mind with the realization of like that is the last part of her character arc that needed to be tied off, which leads me into my yeah. she's my like my long shot person that might die. Boy. She's e- she she's gonna die either defending Jamie or defending Sansa. There's no yeah no if ands or buts about it. If Brienne dies, she's going to die in that defensive, caring about that person yeah. way. And we know it's those it's, two pivotal characters. What is he? It's I uh, just the way <laughs> like, the way it's tied off. She's already brought art. Arya and Sansa back home. She's protected them. She kept her oath. She finished her oath. And yep. now she's the knight. The one thing that she's wanted her whole life. Yep. And now you're like, what else is her character arc besides to die for the people that she's sworn to protect? And you're like, that's... Uh, it made me... I was yeah. so happy until that realization set in. And I was just like, <laughs> no. It has, not, not, not now. Yet. Not yet. Don't right. knight her yet. <laughs> That whole scene, we'd, uh, sorry, everybody, it's a warning. Oh, it's the afternoon now, shit. No excuses. Um, the moment that we're sitting, we're sitting with Jamie and Tyrion in the hall, and they're talking, he's like, imagine if dad, father was here. <laughs> and Jamie's just like, Pfft. yeah. I love, and then when Brienne and Podrick come in, and he's like, have a drink with us. She's like, I don't think that's a smart idea. She's like, all right, half a cup. And Tyrion's just like looking up at Podrick, just like filling up the cup all the way. (laughs) Podrick just gives him that like, "Mm -hmm." Uh now I know we didn't really talk about it earlier, but the, uh, when Jamie and Tyrion are on the battlements talking and Jamie just kind of leaves him. What do you think about Tyrion saying like, well, maybe I will come back as a white and I'll march down south and tear Cersei apart. I mean, that would be the prophecy. That would be the Maggie the Frog prophecy. It would be. For those of you who don't know the Maggie the Frog prophecy, Cersei would have children of golden hair, three children with golden hair. And well, they would wear crowns of gold. Crowns of gold. The um, king would have twenty-one children, none of hers. Yeah, the king. Yeah, she would not bear any of the king's children, and then she would be queen for a time. For a time, and then she would be killed by one of her younger brothers. By the Valkar. I forgot what the exact word that she used. I don't remember the freaking words. All I know is that it's her younger brothers. One of her younger siblings. Yeah. I 
It's either Jamie or Tyrion that's yeah. supposed to kill her because ja- in the books, Jamie comes out of the womb holding Cersei's foot. In the show, they never say that. They no. just say that they were in the womb together, and that's why they're so strong together, and that's why they love each other so much because they shared the womb together. Woo! Yay! <laughs> right? And then Tyrion, obviously being Tyrion to her, <laughs> just being a little shit and being a monster for killing her mother and her father. Now she's accepted that he didn't kill her son. Which is cool. I admire that. I admire that she let that one go. <laughs> yeah. That and Oh, uh, well she did she really though? Because she did because in the scene in their little like uh in their little meeting after the grand meeting in last right. season when right. it's they them, had that little moment. Yeah, she's like you killed Tommen and what's her face? Marcella. Marcella, thank you. Well, she blames him for Marcella because he sent her to away. But that's really all Pycelle's fault for being a little snitch and turning on Tyrion. Right. Because he sent, he told three different people three different stories of where he was a sender, and Pycelle's the one that ratted. Right. So Cersei can blame herself for having Pycelle rat to her for it. Right. And being a rat. Yeah, just being a piece of shit. It was so satisfying when that guy died. I mean, don't get me wrong. He you was just a... He was just a... In back in the stomach by he, a bunch of little children. He was just a nuisance in the whole cog of the wheel. He was just like, you know, just like a gnat. You were like, is he ever just not going to be in the scene? Oh, yeah, and then how he fakes that he's all broken down. Oh, yeah, all broken down. Healthy. And then he's got the... Yeah, he... He bangs everybody. He's banging that chick. And he's like, I'm so old. And then she was room. He gets up and starts doing like Pilates. Yeah, and jumping and he like jacks. cracks his back and stuff. Ugh. And then he puts his chains back on. He's like, I'm an old man. It's like, no, you're not. And it would make sense because he's a maester. So he knows how to take care of himself. Yep. And he knows how to longevity. So it only made sense that he was, you know, ready for life. <clears throat> um, Super. Okay. Could we be wrong? <laughs> if they really don't make this the Battle of Winterfell, I'm going to be pissed. If they I, skip this episode, I'm like, we're going to go to Cersei. <laughs> no, because this is, the runtime is an hour and a half. Right. So there's no way they're going to, I, my kind of prediction is, um, since Jimmy brought up the, I think it's the Whispering Woods, that's when he lost to Rob. Yeah. Battle of Whispering Woods. I, I'm thinking since that was mentioned, Night King might just fly south. He might not even be at Winterfell. His army might be at Winterfell, but he might fly south, burn the shit out of King's Landing, and that'd be make, fucked. And then make it, and that's like a nice little callback. And you're like, wait, Jamie did mention that, and. All that happened, and then Night King takes a little bit of Rob Stark's book and just yeah, but goes down, but, and then that brings into the vision that Danny saw of King's Landing burned and snow everywhere because the Night King came down and wrecked the right King's Landing. That's a that's a little but on me, but I don't. But I don't, the way they, yeah. the way that they're setting it up in the show is that Bran's going to be in the Godswood and he's going to go to the Godswood. Yeah. There's no way he's not going to try and get Bran while Bran's exposed. Yeah. No. Just how he's going to do it is the curious part. And like how the Night King is going to 
get to Bran. We'll have to see. Um, I told you guys to study up on the long night. Matt's not here. Matt's taking a poop. <laughs> um, but we'll, we, yeah, we can start on the long night. So for those of you who don't know, the long night was the first... Basically, the first reign of the Night King, um, and Azor High and the Last Hero is what we're going to focus on. We're not going to focus on how there's different heroes separated throughout all the this world or of, villains, depending on which yeah story. villains or anything. We're going to stick to the Night King, the Night Queen. Fun facts: there was a Night Queen, and that's how the Night King. The Knights King. The Knights King. Right. That's what we got. That's world the Knights King. Remember we need to talk about Knights King the versus Knights King. Knight King. Knight King and Knights King. The apostrophe S makes a difference. <clears throat> so there's two heroes. One from Essos and one from Westeros. Azor High. Uh Azor High's from Ashai. Ashai. And that's in Essos. And then West the Norse hero was dubbed the last hero and what that hero did he didn't have Lightbringer like Azor High. he just had a Valyrian steel sword he went north was it Valyrian steel? it was made of dragon uh, dragon's fire or no dragon steel dragon that's steel. what they called it yeah so but, it's either dragon glass or Valyrian steel but would a Valyrian steel sword freeze and snap in half? I mean if it's that cold I've never seen it it's always been in a sheath maybe he didn't have a sheath yeah. sticking it who knows that's not the point. The point is, he went north with a dog. A dog. A dire wolf. He went north with a dire wolf, 12 men, and a horse. We know one person with a wolf in this fucking story. John is. If we're going to consider Azor, who's Azor High and who's the last hero, I think John is most likely the last hero, even though technically in the stories, they would both be the same person because they both ended the long nights on both ends of the spectrum. So yep. John can either be either or either or, but there could also be an Azora high because Danny was in Essos and raised in Essos. She was born here. She was born in Westeros, but was raised in Essos. And Lightbringer was, could be uh, referring to her dragons also. Correct. Like she birthed her dragons. Oh, that's an interesting thought. That's correct, though. I like your thinking, Michael. But, yeah, but Lightbringer would be cool. But no one has 100 days and 100 nights to forge the freaking sword and plunge it through their love. Nope. Not even Gendry has that time. <laughs> because she had, when she did the dragon, she already had, she had three sacrifices. She had her son. Okay. She had Drogo. And then she had the witch. So she had all, she had three, and depending on how long each of them was dead for, or how long she had her dragon eggs, could be determined in the time frame of the story. Yeah, but the witch, she didn't. The first time Azora High, when Azora High was forging the sword, he did it in. 30 days and 30 nights, and he tempered it in water, wow. and it shattered. And then he did it for 50 days and 50 nights, tempered it through the heart of a, a lion, lion, and it shattered. And then he, 100 days, 100 nights, stabbed his wife, 
and it stayed and it became Lightbringer and mm-hmm. it was a flaming sword. I don't I I don't think she, I mean yes, she was with Drogo for probably more than 100 days. Obviously in the books they probably go into detail on how long they were married, but in the show it seemed like it was only a little while. It wasn't it was maybe like a year with the but it happened in the first happened season. In the first season. So however much time they technically pass during the first season is what we can go off of, but we don't yeah. really know that. Um, it's a lot of math and a lot of... <laughs> you know, that's one of those... That's for one of those YouTubers who... Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Like uh, L&M. Yeah, dissect every little... Like how drunk Tyrion and Cersei are. That was one of my... <laughs> oh, my God. Dude. <laughs> film uh, theory? Yeah, film theory. Shout out. How drunk were they? No, I'll never listen to this. <laughs> I think... The Hound might die. You think he's gonna lose Clegane Bowl? I don't. No, I don't even think we're gonna get to the fucking Clegane Bowl. <sighs> if we do, dope. If we don't, I'm. I'm. I don't doubt it. I'm. 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 I, I, I'm wondering if it's this. If this battle is just gonna be one wave of White Walkers. It might be. Like the Night King could be chilling. Oh, we needed to tell the difference of the knights and the Knights King and the Knight. Um. So the Night King was made specifically for the show. The Night King right. was not in the books. Right. The Night's King was the 13th Lord Commander who went north and found basically the Night Queen. Well, he found a woman with skin pale and ice with st- uh, eyes, eyes of, of with um blue stars. Right. Fell in love with her, gave his seed, gave his seed and by day he was the Lord Commander, but the knight was his to rule. Right. That's why it was called the Knight's King, not the Knight King. And the only way he was defeated was with the uh King North of the Wall. Right. And Brandon the Breaker yep. worked together to defeat him. Mm-hmm. I love when Egret tells stories on the YouTubes, <laughs> like on the storytellings of when Egret's talking. She's so oh, yeah. serious about it. <laughs> um, all right, Matt Purcell. You said Theon. What do you what What do you think about? We were talking about Brienne because her story arc has fi- hit the point. Yeah, I mean, we've hit the end of her. She like, she's she's reached this <clears throat> the summit of what she she's accomplished everything that she set out to do. You know, right. she uh, she made her she made her oath to Catelyn Stark to protect her daughters. Her daughters are, you know, they're protected now, and their relationship seems to be very very strong um, at this moment in time to the point where I believe the two of them with their with you know, Sansa and Arya with their um with their skill set, with each individual skill set make like one unbelievable badass just yeah. you know, Sansa's got the 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 diplomatic side, Arya's got the ruthlessness and the assassination you know, of being an assa- an assassin. And still being smart at the same time. Right. And still being smart and clever and 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 you know, being able to plot and scheme and all of that kind of stuff. So not to say that they are the same person, but they definitely have um, the ability to both be, um, you know, to, to both take care of themselves, essentially. Right. Um, 
you know, and then on top of that, being knighted by Jamie in last in the last episode, it's like mm-hmm. she has reached what she mm-hmm. what she has always set out to be is to prove herself as a warrior and to also be an upstanding person mm-hmm. um, in in the eyes of her of who she follows. Um, I could see that being the case. I could also see, you know, Pod. We we were we were given we were able to see Pod working in the yard with other yeah. with other soldiers for a reason. Mm-hmm. You know, Pod has already saved Tyrion's life. Yep. You know, would he have an opportunity to save Brienne's life? Potentially. Would she have an opportunity to save his life? Right. You know, I mean, I, I, these are the I kind of put Pod and and Brienne in the same boat as far as like he is so loyal. You know, Tyrion said it way back. You know, he is the most loyal squire to have ever served, or or however right. he said it. Um, you know, so that being said, it's like Pod is going to follow whoever he's following yeah. to the ends of the earth. Yeah. You know, if that means And he loves Brienne. He loves Brienne to death. Yeah. Um, you know, but if if that means Pod has to fall on on the tip of a blade, mm-hmm. Pod will probably do that. Yeah. You know, I mean he's he is one of the most understated characters that like I never really thought about until re- the last two recent seasons. Yeah. You know, where it was just like, oh Podrick this, Podrick that. Oh you know, he got a bunch of whores to bang him, and he, he didn't, didn't have, have to pay. pay. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> um, but then, you know, in the last few seasons, it's like I think it was that that whole rescue, the the Brienne and Pod rescuing yeah. uh, Sansa and, and Theon um, in the snow and everything. I think that was like the biggest turning point for me With as Podrick. far as the Podrick character. Yeah, because he handles himself on a ho- he's able to handle himself on a horse. Yeah, I mean, he's he's somewhere. shaky. He's definitely shaky during yeah. that. You know, that's his. It's his first or second second battle, right? Uh, but his first like really tough tough fight kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but he he handles himself and and he's just been a sponge. And I mean, watching him in the yard just for however brief it was in the last episode, you're like, damn, dude can handle himself with with some steel. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um. So I don't know, man. I mean, I think. Uh, I think it's gonna be crazy. I'm like I like I've said strat. multiple times, you know, I'm I'm really hesitant to make any type of predictions just because it's so difficult. You know, you put yourself in a mindset of like, oh, you know, Theon's gonna go, Theon's gonna go, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's someone else who goes and you're like, right. What? I'm devastated or or you know, completely shocked or something. So I'm just I'm trying to get through the next, you know, however many hours, the next seven and a half hours of <laughs> Just kind of figuring out, right? Where are we going from here, man? Like, what's gonna happen? How is it gonna be? You know, I'm I'm pumped about it. <laughs> I, I mean, that's that's the only thing I can say. Right. I think we're gonna get a lot of dragon fire. I'm not sure if we're gonna get a dragon battle. It'd be really cool if we did. Michael but had a thought, and the thought is that uh, you can tell. So. They brought up, Jamie uh, brought up that he lost the Whispering Wood mm-hmm. in the last episode. Right. And uh, I 
not putting faith, complete faith in it, but I've been hearing rumors that maybe uh, the Night King takes a page out of Rob Stark's book and just sends his army at Winterfell, but goes down to King's Landing himself and says, screw this, and then burns King's Landing so that way he only has one army to deal with if, like, they survive. Do you? But do you think that the the Night King is that in tuned with what's going on in the South? Like I said, I want putting complete faith in it, but sure. it's just bringing in to the fact of Danny's vision of King's Landing being destroyed, mm-hmm. snow all over the place. It looked like it was burnt. Yeah. And she, I don't think she would ever officially try to burn it herself. So it's just kind of almost like, what would that vision, Yeah. why would that vision be of like the burning? Yeah, I mean, that also could play into, you know, A Song of Ice and Fire, too. Yeah, you know, that that is the whole, like, she shows up. You know, I mean, it's it's a dream, a prophecy. You know, throughout this entire story, it's all there metaphors. are prophecies yeah. and, and it's metaphor- all yeah, exactly, metaphors. exactly. So, you know, you could find yourself in a situation where that vision or dream or whatever that she had seasons ago could be representative of the eventual meeting and learning of Jon Snow, meeting of Jon Snow, falling in love with him, and then learning of his true parentage. That would then say like this iconic, yeah. this iconic castle that is, for all intents and purposes, Targaryen. Now has the split dichotomy of ice and fire. It's burnt, but yet it's snowing inside. You know, that's yeah. just me getting really deep it's, with, with one little yeah, thing and and kind of going mind. into that. You know, just to just to kind of shit on your theory <laughs> and i mean it in the, i mean it in the nicest way possible of like just, said, you know I'm not devil's advocate a, i'm not putting a hundred percent faith right it's right. just a it was just like a call nice call back to sure. that scene and you're like oh well he can fly down there pretty quick well oh yeah no for sure i blow it up i'm just make cersei go because she's all high and mighty down yeah. they're going the army of the, the army of the dead's past the wall good yeah that's okay right like he and it's like, bitch, there. you ain't safe. No, you know, like he, she goes down, and we can't go two whole episodes without seeing Cersei. Yeah, I was really surprised that we didn't get any type of Cersei interaction in the last episode. That's why I think that the it might be like the first ten minutes is Cersei. Like they yeah. give us her game plan and like her whole strategy. And then we just go north, and then yeah. we just stay there. Or they could just say, fuck you, we're not going to... I mean, they've done weird shit in the past. For the right, first five getting, seasons, they right. didn't do any flashbacks. And then in season five and six, they had like four. Right, and know? then in season five, they just took Bran out completely. Yeah. Like, he wasn't even in wasn't the story. Wasn't even in the story So, line, for yeah, sure. it's not far-fetched to not have her in two episodes in a row, because this is one of the battles that everybody's been waiting for. The oh, battle for, sure. for Winterfell is probably, hands down... One of the coolest things we're about to witness mm-hmm. in history of television. And Dude, cinema. I saw this. I saw a behind the scenes thing yesterday. It was like twenty minutes long, and Ooh. it was really cool because it was Spicy. done. It was done by HBO and like Sweet. all that, and they literally built like a fully functioning castle of Winterfell. Like all the grounds, all the gates. You know, and they said it. They're like in seasons past, we have only done like. 
a few chambers and the courtyard, yeah, yeah. you know, the main and, courtyard. and and exactly and like the front gate in la, you know right. last season and everything, and they were like, but this season like we could not tell the story with only having a minimal right. you know set of Winterfell, and right. they were like. You know, and and they even said the, the you know they were interviewing like some of the girls and stuff like that, like um, Amelia Clark who plays Daenerys and yeah. Sophie Turner, Sansa Stark, and they were saying like, you walk down hallways and you honestly feel like you're in a castle, and the Sophie Turner goes, you literally it feels like you're in a castle until you knock on the wall and it's hollow and you're like, oh that's right, it's not real, right. it's a set. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, I. I you know, I, I remember the the trailer that we saw a couple of weeks ago, um, and you know, it's, at one part it's got Arya Stark running down like a dimly lit hallway. You know, a I little mean, bloody. That could be tonight's. That could be in tonight's episode, right? You know, we never know. And dude, it's just you know, like I said, seven and a half hours, T minus seven and a half hours of uh, yeah. until we're in it, man. And uh, you know. Now to the comedy. I, 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 yeah. Well, I'm just gonna say that before, or say this before we get into that. You know, like I love having Michael here, and it's you know it's great to have you here, Michael. But I miss Kirky. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just because of my my love for Skirky. So I know. Um, you know. Um, well, we'll have. Uh, we're gonna have your friend Joe next. Yeah, yeah Joe. Yeah. Joe Westemeyer. Yeah. Uh, my 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 Game of Thrones mentor. So, um, you know, I uh, I really got hooked into Game of Thrones, not obviously not only by the show, but um, by being able to have conversations with Joe. And, yep. uh, you know, he's he's a good dude. Um, I'm pumped to see him next week because I honestly haven't seen him in uh, maybe even over almost a year now. Right. Um, but, yeah, man, I like the fact that we're mixing it up and getting some some other people in here. Yeah. So, um, yeah. We'll, we're going to end it. So, yeah, next week is Joe and then the last two for everybody who's interested, the last two episodes are going to be Skirky With and Skirky Purcell. again, yeah. yeah. Um, but Skirky, you know, Skirky's definitely coming over to watch again tonight. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, he better you know, book it, boy. I, I, I was <laughs> under the impression that Michael was going to watch with us, but then yesterday you told me that he's got, you, you've got your own uh, your own little group. Me and my two roommates. Yeah. 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 The squad. Okay. We just, uh, always we've had a different uh, Game of Thrones type of drink. Nice. For every episode, <laughs> so the first one I had a nice uh, bottle of King of the North beer. Yeah. Last week we did uh, some red blend Game of Thrones wine. Nice. Now I've got uh, some mold wine at my house, and I've got my Targaryen and Tully whiskey. Hell yeah, dude! Sweet. So I'm gonna tie this into the to the the comedy of of the episode. <laughs> yeah, where's you your need, where's your goat's You need to get milk. some goat's milk for <laughs> sure, dude, for sure. I watched someone make goat's milk last night. Oh, really? Yeah, there's yeah. a video. There's, there's a, a video, video of how to make goat's is milk. It, is it alcoholic? Oh, yeah. dude, it's really? a it's, lot of alcohol. It's, it's a lot of alcohol. It's like Hennessy, Rumchata, <laughs> Bailey's, Kahlua. Uh, Everything that's going to make your stomach feel like uh, shit. It's just, and it's in a giant mason jar. Uh, this guy just like uh, screws it up. Shakes it and then starts like he's like I'm gonna chug it. Yeah, it's like the first time I ever drank. Um, what do you call it? Uh, our Irish car bombs. Oh, you know because it's uh it's a shot of Jameson Irish whiskey and Guinness. B- no Bailey's, oh. and then you dump that shot a into shot glass Guinness. into Guinness, yeah. but the carbonation from the Guinness mixed with the Bailey's, yeah. it curdles it pretty quickly, so you have to chug it. So in your stomach. <laughs> 
the fucking drink is curdling in your stomach. And the first time I ever had Irish car bombs, they tasted so much like a chocolate malt that I was like, this is amazing. It was the dead of summer. And I was at a, I was in the I was in the Wisconsin Dells at a at a water park. I didn't yak, but there were like four or five times where I came really close to yeah. it. So um, you know, just thick boozes, thick, thick drinks like that are hard, man. Yeah. Although I do have to say that my go to drink at every wedding that I go to that it's available is a white Russian. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I just like just drinking white smoothly. Russians. Right. It just goes down smooth. But that being said, the comedy of the episode that was Torment Giants Bane. I call you King Killer. <laughs> He's so good, dude. He's and so and good. the actor who plays him is like the same person. Like yeah. there's really not a difference between his between He just doesn't kill people. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I he was trying he was campaigning so hard to get in bed with Brienne oh my and God. she just was not I love it. the whole interaction of him with Brienne because it's one of those like think back to when you were in high school and there yeah. was that kid that just like didn't give a shit and was like <laughs> Just thought he was so cool, but he was kind of just a nerd or like yeah. totally on the outs of anything and like tried so hard to impress a girl or something like that yeah. by doing like things that would impress a guy yeah. per se, you know, like like torment. He's, he, you know, remember back when they were, I think they were at the wall and when torment first like like locked locked gaze with with yeah. Brienne and was like I want her yeah and, and he, he like he's raises eating, his eye and he's around. eating that chicken and he just fucking bites into it like a barbarian and it's like no chick <laughs> wants a dude who's gonna be that way and he's just like he thinks that this is the coolest fucking thing ever and he's like just bites into it and like looks at her all seductively like yeah you like that <laughs> you like that baby. <laughs> And it's like, dude, no chick is going to go for that. But then he does it again in last week's episode, which was so great. We got his origin. Oh, man. (sighs) But the funny thing is that that meme that I sent you, a picture of Robert Aaron, and it was like, so it's okay when Torment does it? (laughs) And I showed it to Kara, and she was like, I don't get it, you know, like, I mean, you know, in it, to, to her credit, she was thinking of Torment now. Yeah. And I was like, no, remember the story that he said about him being 10 years old and suckling from a giant's teat? For three months. And she was like, oh, my God, that's right. She's like, that's so funny that they that everyone was like, it's so gross when Robert yeah. Aaron was doing it. But the reason it was so gross is because we were watching it. <laughs> right. You it know, wasn't like a story. Was, I mean, if we if we watched a ten year old torment gi- torment giant's bane suckling on a giant's teat, we'd be like, "That is the most fucking disturbing <laughs> thing in the world." You know, because he'd be so tiny, right? Like, what? It, like, not only would he be so tiny, but it would be like. It would just the the, pers- the perspective and scale of everything would be so fucked up and off. Like a giant, I can a just giant. see a giant like holding this little ten year old torment giant's bane in her hand, and he's just like this huge nipple in his face, <laughs> and he chugs that 
fucking oh, horn, dude. dude. And he's like, he chugs it like with so much pride and like the I same, like, <laughs> yeah, like, the same, you? the same thing that he did with the chicken at the yeah. wall with Brienne. He's like chugging it, like, oh my god, she's getting so turned on by this. <laughs> and it's like, no, dude. Davos is like, no I can use that drink now, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> I think my favorite part about that whole thing is that he's like really trying to one up Jamie, and Jamie's just like not like what he's yeah. not having it at all. <laughs> he's like, all right. Jamie has no clue that he's like <laughs> even in this like love triangle. Yeah. He's like, he just I just keeps like, giving him that like one eyed look. Like he's just like, I just Brienne's the person I admire most in this world right now. <laughs> He's like, it's, it's like in high school, you know. It's like Jamie's like the quarterback of the football team. <laughs> Brienne's like the catcher on the softball team, right. a little on the butch side, but you know, yeah. and she's got a huge crush on the on the quarterback of, of the course. football team. But he's kind of unaware and aloof to the whole situation. Right. But then you have <laughs> you have the linebacker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you have you have you have the you know. The the burnout from the from the shop department who's like that chick smoking hot I want her <laughs> he smokes a lot of cigarettes right, right. <laughs> doesn't give a fuck at all <sighs> Podrick's got pipes oh my god Podrick's got some pipes I that song man. I yeah what is I'm gonna pull up the Jenny's lead. song yeah Jenny's song. Well, they also did a. They also did another song that uh, Florence Florence Welsh from Florence and the Machine yep. recorded, that's called Jenny of Old Stones. Yep. Yeah, that's Jenny's song. Jenny that's of Old Je- yeah. Oh, okay. It's the same song. Oh, it is. Yeah. Did they play the the yeah, Florence they, at song the, at the end? At the end in the credits. Yeah. In the okay. Credits. Yeah. Um, okay. That's what I. That's what I was thinking. I was like, it's weird that they would have two songs with someone, Jenny. You know, yeah. someone. I saw a video. I didn't watch the video. I just saw the thumbnail, and it was talking about the song, how it like pertains to John. Yeah, I, I didn't want to see any. I didn't want to see any of that either. I I, I just read the lyrics. I just read the lyrics, and I was like, it. The, I guess this can pertain to something, but I'm not gonna look into it. In the books, I guess, um, it's kind of it's <laughs> not really it's not like confirmed, but there's like a theory in the books that Rhaegar wrote Jenny's song about. Hitting, hiding the song of Ice and Fire within the song. Oh, okay. And that's the song that he played on the harp where Lyanna Stark was weeping. And, oh. And that's when that thing kind of... That makes happened. sense because Rhaegar R- was known to walk around the streets and sing to people. Oh, yes. That was my stomach. <laughs> that was yours? I thought that was mine for a second. I was weird. like, wait. Sorry, everybody, if you heard that. That was weird. All right, gentlemen. Six, yeah, seven hours and fifteen minutes until game time. Oh God, Michael. Yes. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Oh, sure thing. Matt yeah. Purcell. Yeah. Thank you, Michael. Sure yeah. thing. Anytime, guys. Matt Purcell. Oh, yeah. You're gonna be here next week anyway. As always. Thanks for hosting it here. Absolutely, man. Yeah. I love it. You know, making you guys drive down to the city just never made sense. Yeah, I like uh, tried to think about it. I'm like maybe they'll be you know down to do it, and then it's like no because we got to watch the episode. I just don't have you know I don't have that type of flexibility in my schedule for the weekends to be able to do something right, like that. Right. You know, I do. Yeah, I mean your weekend is essentially Sunday and Monday, yeah. whereas mine is Saturday and Sunday. You know, like 
yeah. normal. Yeah. Um, Have, making you drive back that late at night would just yeah, it would be it would be really tough, and it and dick move. Honestly, <laughs> it most likely wouldn't just wouldn't even happen. So yeah. Um, no, dude, I have no problem, you know, having you guys over and everything. And, yeah. you know, I think uh, a, a big thank you and, and um, you know, appreciation goes to, to my girlfriend, Kara. You know, she... Uh, She's dealing with this. <laughs> <laughs> no, she, you know, I talked to her, I, I thanked her last night for allowing, you know, for being cool about everything. And she right. she's, you know, she has no uh, no malice or anything Good. towards towards us, us doing this. Um, cool. You know, and, and she's kind enough to... Two out of three weekends have made us breakfast in the morning. So yeah, you know, she, very kind. She loves she loves you guys, and she wants you know she wants uh, us to have fun and, and do these things that that um, <clears throat> that are important to us. So yeah. you know, I just I just thank her, and you know, thanks for putting up with us being here and, yeah. and all of that. So <laughs> same, um, I do appreciate. But yeah, man, uh, you know, we're we're gonna get this this epic. Hopefully, epic uh, episode this evening, and yeah. it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a good time. Well, so, well, gentlemen, we'll see you next time. Yeah, the night is dark and full of terrors.